0: Hello, everyone. This is Joshua Sharon. I want to welcome you to this brand new podcast entitled The JoshCast. On this podcast, I'm going to touch a few tipular topics that are nudging at my heart. Information, faith, comedy and encouragement. Information is liberating. Faith is trusting in God and comedy is medicine and encouragement is hope. If you have all four, you can move forward in the right direction. So for today's episode, I want to talk about Black Banks Matter. I remember I did a podcast episode a little while back called Black Dollars Matter. And I would love for for everyone to go back and listen to that podcast. It would definitely uh, give you some advice on how to use your money wisely, how to save, how to, you know, invest, how to, you know, make sure that your credit is well and how to save for retirement. So I definitely want to, you know, you to listen to that. So I want to start off with a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, he once said that all too often when there is mass unemployment in the black community, it is referred to as a social problem. And when there is mass unemployment in the white community, it is referred to as depression. The fact is that the Negro faces a little depression all over the U.S. Today across every socioeconomic level, blacks have less wealth than whites. Over a third of black families have either negative wealth or no assets at all. The 2008 financial crisis devoured more than half the wealth of the black community, proving once again that when Wall Street catches a cold, Harlem gets pneumonia. To the extent that media and politicians focus on the racial divide, it is through its most urgent and features such as police shootings, burning cities, white supremacists, violence and crime. Underneath it all is a deep and growing financial line between black and white. As I was studying and trying to prepare for today, A book that I came across is called The Color of Money, Black Banks. This book tells the story of how the wealth gap was created, maintained, and put into action. To tell the story, this book lifts the hood on the injuries of the black community that's used to fight this gap for generations. Black banks. Blank banks are the drivers of wealth creation for any society. Banking policy is tied up with policies and power yet scholars have all but ignored the black banking industry unique role in black wealth development what this history reveals that is that black and white americans have had a separate and unequal system of banking and credit for over a century Black communities have been urged by black and white leaders to rely on these segregated black banks in order to reach individual and community prosperity. What comes into focus as we study is that these banks over time is a tangible barrier to prosperity presented by segregation, racism, and government credit policy. The effect of these forces on black banks demonstrate that successful banking and wealth accumulation would remain exclusive in a segregated economy. Housing segregation, racism, and Jim Crow credit policies create an economic trap for black communities and their banks. Black banking has been a response to racial inequality. Virtually nothing has been put in place to close the wealth gap. There are many supporters of black banking, Frederick Douglass, Booker T Washington, President Abraham Lincoln, W. Du Bois, Marcus Garvey, Carter G Woodson, Dr King, Malcolm X, Black Panthers and President Clinton and Obama. On the issues of race, there is likely little that these little that these leaders would agree upon. Black owned banks represent something different to each of them pushed outside the main arteries of american commerce the black community turned inward and created its own institutions the first black banks were formed less than a decade after slavery had ended in the hostile climate of racism and jim crow segregation most blacks could not save or borrow at a white owned banks so they established their own. The creation of the black ghettos led to a surge in black banks in northern cities. As black bankers rose to the challenge of banking and a segregated economy, the community celebrated each hard-earned success. These banks were created to respond to racial hostility, but in spite and because of this, They came to signify racial pride, unity and protest for Booker T. Washington. Black banking was salvation in itself. He said it was by owning a home and bank account that black men would eventually find his way to enjoyment of his rights to Washington. Money had no color and it was the only path towards racial equality. Likewise. Black banks pushed the black community during the civil rights movement. In 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. pushed black community to take their money out of the banks downtown and deposit their money in a black owned bank. To black nationalists, black banking was a necessary step towards asserting independence from white society. In an interview, Malcolm X asked the question, why should white people be running the banks of our community? Black banking became the soul and the symbol of resistance, black power and self-determination. Black economic power had a natural appeal in the face of segregation and racism, but also it constituents a political diversion for a meaningful reform. So politically successful, the promise of black capitalism that every administrator since President Nixon has adopted in one form or another. President Carter, Reagan, Clinton and Bush and Obama disagreed about many things, but they each sought to promote black banks and businesses through programs called community capitalism, enterprise zones or minority enterprises. President Reagan called black businesses and black banking the key to black economic progress. Bill Clinton even created robust legislation to promote community empowerment through banking and an infrastructure that President Bush and Obama maintained. The idea of community self-help valuable as it was when there was no other choice have been deployed at several historic moments through history. The, Freedom, the Freedom's Bureau, for example, pro- proposed to give free slaves an annulment of the land their labor had enriched. Instead, they got a bank. Northern industrialists came in support of Booker T. Washington plan for a segregated black economic economy as other black leaders were pushing for full integration. The New Deal program would have sent aid to building housing in the urban ghetto were instead used to create white suburbs that reinforced racial segregation for the rest of the century. So as soon as a civil rights coalition began to demand some form of wealth redistribution, President Nixon embraced black capitalism, support for black banking and capitalism have built a policy band aid solution, a decoy response to the fundamental challenge of overcoming America's legacy of slavery. The theory of black banking is rooted in the fundamental tenet of banking policy in America. Thomas Jefferson believed. That banks should be small and local as it opposed Alexander Hamilton's vision of large and national banks. Jefferson's ideal was locally controlled economy pushed in nature with a decentralized policy. But he was on the wrong side of history. When it comes to banking policy for poor communities, it is Jefferson's outdated vision that is still dominant. Small community banking has always held a particular appeal when aided to poor people in the economy. The promise is that community having been left out, the dominant banking industry could pool its resources and lift itself out of poverty. Black banks promised to control the black dollar and grow it. If the color of the ghetto was black, so would be the money flowing within. Blacks must control the economy of their community. Malcolm X said this in 1964. President Reagan believed that black enterprise are important to neighborhoods where the dollars spent in helping. Give benefits. Blacks were poor and due to the segregated housing, their homes were worth less. What this meant for black banks was that deposits was done and their loans were not stable, which created a situation over time. Housing segregation prevented the growth of black wealth and presented black bankers with a challenge. Not only were their banks more vulnerable to failure, but even in flush times, they were unable to perform the money multiplying of banking pushed out of mainstream blacks need to create their own economic engines, but their inclusion from aspects of economic life made it weak and hard to obtain the truth was that segregated communities could not segregate their money in fact black banks which were created to control the black bottom black dollar became the very machine through which black money flowed out of the community and into white economy the ghetto economy was weak low and costly The color of capital, commerce, property and trade and money was white. White was the government color of credit. In America, each rung on the ladder towards prosperity consists of bank credit, even more in the 20th century when home ownership became synonymous with both mortgage, credit and prosperity for blacks. The path towards wealth was closed by segregation, government policies and economic reality. As the overall American economy grew by leaps and bounds, the urban black economy became locked in a state of depression. The ghettos were trapped America's other immigration group. It eventually did not improve the segregation that was going on. In fact, the dilemma faced by black banks, according to the black bank statistics, is highlighted that it is contrasted by the visible banks created by Italian, Jewish, Germans, Irish, and Asian immigrants. Each of these immigrant groups face a discrimination and inclusion like the black population. But the key difference was that none of them was systemically largely segregated to certain communities. Many immigrants eventually left the overcrowded ghettos and settled in suburbs, suburbs, where through violence, zoning restrictions, and racial covenants, blacks were barred. This path is illustrated by the fact of home loans and banks established by various immigrant groups. One instructive example is the Bank of Italy, which formed in San Francisco to serve Italian immigrants who could not get loans from mainstream banks. Eventually, the Bank of Italy grew and merged into U.S. mainstream banking system, just as Italian immigrants into American society. What was formerly the Bank of Italy is now the Bank of America. Largest and one of the most profitable banks in the country. The success of immigrant banks should not be misinterpreted. It was not a self-help and community support that allowed them to finance themselves out of the ghetto. They left the ghetto first. And they did not only be accepted as white, but not through segregation through their money. The, bash- the, book- the bootstraps that they were given were government guaranteed loans, which black people were excluded. Doubtless, many immigrants worked hard to achieve American dream of homeownership, but so did so too did the whites and blacks, the black ghetto and the white suburb were created by a heavy state intervention. A government credit is propelled the growth of American economy and regulated the ghetto economy to a permanently infrastructure position. The government created a credit appraisal did not cross the red lines that policy drew around the ghetto and within the color line, a separate and unequal economy took root. If free market capitalism is understood by allowing the laws of supply and demand to operate without state intervention, then the black ghetto were enraged in capitalism. There's always been an attempt at justifying and explaining wealth in the United States. The economic oppression of slavery was justified in the eighteenth century by corrupt version of dogma that white right, race had divine subject over blacks. There are certain stories of inspiration to be found. But an overemphasis on Herotio Algar, who explains the success has led to distraction. This is a story of economics, politics, laws that sowed the seeds of injustice into the soil of American economy. The weeds that grew from it did not need to be fed with racism. It used the materials available, commerce, credit money and segregation to regenerate inequality. It is too simplistic to blame the racists or the loan sharks for the wealth gap. We need to identify the forces that made the ripple effect on the economy. In 2016, as we are reading in this survey. in Conjunction with the Black Lives Matter movement activists renowned a focus on black banking. Yet the industry is in in a distress. In June 20. 16 Mechanics and Farmers Bank of Durham, North Carolina announced that it was shifting its focus from serving the black community to becoming a standard community bank. It hired its first non-black director, changed its name to the Martin MNF, and announced it would start going after a broader customer base. To most baking industry observers, this change was not newsworthy. It was hardly even noticed. But the move might reflect the last gasp of a dying industry. Mechanics and Farmers Bank was the oldest and strongest black owned bank in the country. Since 1907, it has financed black churches, black homes, and black businesses. It survived the Great Depression, save, saving several black owned banks in the process, almost for a century. The North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company was the largest black controlled business within the institution of the world. While the demise of black banks across the country may have been in a foregone conclusion, their loss is significant because their institutions represented something more than vulnerable balance sheets. Their institutions the black community have relied on to achieve prosperity amid fossil economic whirlwinds and moving black wealth. Black banks are the engines of promise, prosperity in the black community, and it is inspecting them that we know about self-reinforcing nature of black poverty. In fact, poverty is the sand destroying these engines. Notice the striking trend of black bank failures. A recent study linked to the epidemic to deep poverty of the black community. In other words, the very poverty that these banks have been trying to fight for generations is the main obstacle for their survival. But, for, but the poverty rut is perpetuated when the communities lose across the banks. As a group, blacks are more unbanked than any other race. According to banking.com, as a group, 60 percent of black population is unbanked or underbanked, while only 20 percent of whites are in the same category. What this means is that blacks rely on fringe banks, leading to the debt trap. Blacks pay higher interest on mortgage and small loans. They pay more fees on basic services than whites and other people. All of this is due to and contribute to the wealth gap. Without a cushion of wealth, black families pay more for credit and financial services and fall harder when they hit a bump. According to The Wealth Gap book by Dr. Elijah, Elijah Ferruccio. Wealth provides a layer of financial security, and this shock absorber is missing for many black families, especially for families on the bottom. Owning a home provides a buffer against the harsh edges of poverty. A stable foundation can be passed down to the next generation. It can determine whether your neighborhood has decent or failing schools, whether you'll be able to go to college, whether you'll be able to face eviction or meet unexpected costs without having to report a payday loan. A store of wealth is reinforcing its absence. A, As Billy Holiday sang, Them that's got shall get them that shall not lose. Historian marrying Marable has lamented that the most striking fact about er American economic history and politics is the brutal and systemic undevelopment of black people. When the economic when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, The black community, listen to this, owned a total of 0.5% of total wealth in the United States. This number is not a surprising fact. Slaves were forbidden to own anything. And the few freed slaves living in the North had few opportunities, slim to none, to receive wealth. What is the staggering? What is staggering is that more than 150 years later... That number barely moved. Blacks still own only 1% of the wealth in the United States. When Dr. King stood on the steps of Lincoln Memorial 1963 on the March on Washington, which was celebrated this weekend, he said that America has given the Negro people a bad check. A check which has come back marked insufficient funds. This bad check was in large the constant faith in promoting segregated black banking. The promise of black banking is the color of money that does not matter, and that black banks can control and multiply black money the same way white banks. Multiply black wealth. Yet despite a century of honest toil. The check has been continued to be marked unsufficient funds. Whether the next century passes by or the next year passes by. This is a problem. Slavery. America's original sin according to Dr. James Madison, created the foundation of modern American capitalism. It was slavery and the blood drawn with the lash that opened the oratories and the capital of commerce that led to U.S. economic dominance worldwide. According to him, he said the effects of the institutional of slavery on American commerce was 3.2 million slaves, which were worth 1.3 billion in market value. Slaves were also a valuable store of capital because they were liquidated assets that could be exchanged on markets easily than other forms of property. Slavery's bounty is caused Many Americans to tolerate such a barbaric and disgusting institution, growing international demand for cotton-fueled growth of slavery and the legal political arms of the state maintained and protected it. Let's go deeper. More cotton led to more profits, which led to more demand for slaves which led to more legislation supporting slavery and then even crueler methods of oppression for more work for the slaves. The institution of slavery was at odds when the liberal notions of equality avowed in America's founding documents. Blacks had been seen as subhuman, so they they can be treated as nothing. Let's go a little bit further. The currency of the South was the slave. Slaves were not just labor in the cotton production process, they were collateral used to finance the operation. Slavery monetized credit markets, creating complex new forms of financial instruments, trade networks through which slaves could. Mortgage, exchanged, and used to be as purchase. For all the economic gains created by slaves, the slaves themselves could not profit. During the years of institutionalized slavery in America, enslaved individuals could not participate in the economy as buyers and sellers. In order for slaves to function, the slaves needed to serve as Property. Since slavery was permissed on white supremacy and racial hierarchy, an ideology has been across the country, not just in slaveholding, but even freed slaves being restricted. Jim Crow laws mandating segregation in politically all of life. It was Alexis D. Tarquifio who came to marvel at America's democracy, was shocked at the level of racial prejudice he observed in the North. He wrote, The prejudice of race is so appealing, is so appalling and disgusting. Many states legally prohibited free blacks from owning property, testifying in court, practicing professions or trades above labor, Black businessmen could not sue white people who took their ideas and engaged in heinous, horrible crimes in finance. In 1852, Maryland, Maryland statue exclude blacks from membership in thrift or building loan institutions. Well there were no legal barriers where there was social forces that blocked blacks from organizing banks and businesses. During this era of exclusion, free black businessmen relied on their own race for capital and credit. Black banking began as a private affair. There are several black men of means who lent their own money to blacks, but their group was so small that their name could be recounted by historians writing about them a half century later. To the extent that there are many formal banking structures, they operated through philanthropic societies and churches. The center of the free black community in the north was the city of Philadelphia. As early as 1788, prominent black clergy and business owners organized mutual aid society. Mutual aid societies usually helps the black church, the center pillar of the community. The most prominent And long lasting of these was the African Methodist Episcopal Church, also known as the AME Church in Philadelphia, founded by Richard Allen and Reverend Absalom Jones in 1787, with the governing slogan to seek for ourselves. It did just that. Between 1857 and 1904, the church gave over one million dollars to educational programs for blacks. And by 1907, it had supported 22 schools. The collective powers that the black community harnessed through the church membership also made the church a target for racial hostility and social control. After Nat's turn of slave result in 1831, Southern legislators passed laws forbidding blacks from preaching and congregating in their own churches, South Carolina even prohibited groups of black individuals from meeting together for the purpose of mental instruction or religious worship. By the mid to late eighteen hundreds, free blacks began to press against trade restrictions by forming a financial spear to their own. In 1851, leading black businessmen and ministers gathered in New York City for the purpose of making plans for improving Negro economic status. They decided that blacks needed their own banks that they're going to succeed in business. The group resolved that a mutual saving bank's established by Negroes in order to encourage saving and thrift and assist Negroes who wish to enter business. A constant preoccupation amongst free Northern blacks trying to operate businesses of buy property was an inability to secure any type of credit. Abraham Harris, a prominent black economist in the 1930s listed the barriers to black enterprise before civil war in the following order. Number one, the difficulty of obtaining capital and credit. Number two, low wages, competition for jobs and immigration. Number three, mob violence. Number four, occupational restrictions. Number five prohibitions against owning certain types of property. Number six, denial right to sue. Number seven, restrictions against settlement in the West. And number eight, civic and educational handicaps. Harris emphasized that the greatest handicap without a doubt was obtaining capital and credit. Thus, On the eve of the Civil War, there was a vibrant ongoing discussion among free blacks in the North on they may establish credit and banking associations. The banking envisioned by this group of business leaders would be organized as a cooperative society and rely on black investors in New York, who it hoped would invest their total accumulation wealth in the bank to be used as starting capital. It was crucial that bank have access to entire black community resources. It was said that northern blacks held between $40,000 and $50,000 in the Wall Street banks so they could lend it to black entrepreneurs and would be property owners. This was the first of many attempts by black leaders and businessmen to f- to convince blacks to harness the collective power of black capital in support of black banking. The bank ultimately failed to attract enough capital and was never formed. The black community knew that it needed banks. If blacks were ever going to advance economically, Alexander Hamilton, the first treasury secretary and the father of American banking system, explained that it would be banks that create the active and capital of a country. Gold and silver, he said, acquire life and only thought the operation of a bank. Let's go a little bit deeper. Bank credit creates wealth which is why the isolated, free black community kept trying to create its own segregated banking system. Bank credit was needed to fight capital, but a bank could create could be created without capital. Hamilton told Congress that in 1790 that a bank is not a matter of private property, but a political machine that can go well in the state a healthy government needed a bank to survive and strong banks relied on government support in order to thrive banks needed government charters free and open access to enforcement of contact laws and orderly maintenance of capital and credit markets Black leaders continued to discuss the bank even as slavery question was being contested for slavery restricted. Now, black leaders stressed that the emancipation would have followed by the accumulation of wealth if the black community was able to achieve political equality. Frederick Dulles remarked that the history of civil- civilization... Come that no people can well rise to the high degree of mental or even more excellence without wealth. A people who tried will still try to get their own bank. Now, recently, we I want to go another way now. The murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, if we are fighting for equality, the black dollar is very important within that within our community. Since the killing of George Floyd by police and now the shooting of Jacob Black in Wisconsin now have gave protests against racial racial injustice and continues throughout the country. There have been calls within the black community to control the black dollar to black businesses, including black owned banks. While the number of black owned banks in the country has dwindled over the summer. One United boasted bank. One United Bank boasted 50 million in new accounts in August. One United encourages members to donate to the Black Lives Matter. Earlier this week, Broadway. Federal Bank, a Los Angeles based commercial lender founded in 1946, entered into an agreement to merge with another black owned bank, City First Bank in Washington, D.C. This is going to create the country's largest black controlled federal insured commercial lender and the first with assets more than one billion dollars. With its expanded capacity, the combined bank plans to provide lending for multifamily affordable housing, small businesses, and nonprofit development in the financial undeserved community while creating a national platform for impact investors. This is a renewed move for an institution that has been left to left behind through banking black. It has been since the reconstruction as a way for African-Americans to obtain financial shelter and build towards economic power, government policies, and systematic racism, which has tried to stop black American banks to survive and thrive now yet black owned banks remain vulnerable where there are 14 black owned banks two decades ago now there are just 21 while big banks have grown two trillion dollars since 2008 according to statistical facts black owned banks which is basically Mostly in low and middle-income neighborhoods, where deposits may be smaller, where the assets are declining. Still, according to the Federal Reserve, the top five collectively hold 2.5 trillion in assets and 1. trillion in deposits today. Black families. In the United States hold about one-tenth amount of wealth of black families. There is $17,155 of wealth for a black family, but for a white family is $171,000 for a white family, according to Brooker's Institution Statistics. The rate of black home ownership Considered by many may be the strongest of indicator of wealth remains virtually unchanged since 1968. The typical black family has no wealth or more have more negative wealth. The black community must find a way to achieve wealth. Racism and capitalism has kept Black America from finding its way to society's hierarchy of wealth, according to John Robinson, who is a professor at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. Over the years, number of largest banks have been cited and fined with lawsuits for racial discrimination in lending, according to 2011 federal deposit insurance study, black-owned banks have made about 67 of their mortgage loans to black borrowers compared to less than 1%, which is not run by black banks. Now, in the days after George Floyd, Deshaun joined, joined the church in a rally. He opened up an account with a black-owned bank, and he said that it's about standing up for our communities. Black-owned banks lend money to black people, businesses, and homeowners. He says that he feels that it needs to stabilize the black communities. Dr. Jones also says that there is a level of pride that is going on. He says, I know that they respect me as a customer because of that shared experience. He says that now that he is with a black bank, he says that he is proud to be a black bank member. For some, banking black is simply one act of protest. Others see it as a move for empowerment and community. Now, as I'm closing, I just want to share is that when you understand is that our money in the black community is worth something. We have to stop taking out black dollars and put it into things that will never benefit and help us. Now. Recently, many people are looking at a company called God is Dope and they're saying, you know, we shouldn't support them because they're not a Christian company. And many people say, I don't support this company because do not support us. We have to understand that there are a lot of things that are not supporting us as it goes right now. There are a lot of institutions. There are a lot of there are a lot of companies, a lot of things that have been programmed and designed and built to be against us as black people. What I'm happy about is learning about black banking is that we can take the power that we have of our money and put it towards something positive. We don't have to put our money into things that will not benefit us over time, but we can take our money and build towards a brighter future. Now, one of the things that I suggest to you is that You should take your money and put it towards a place that supports you and your people, that supports us. And we really have to understand that money is not a toy, but it's a tool that we can use in order to fix this wealth gap. This should be... One of the things I remember, I told somebody this and they got upset about it. I said, you know the difference between white people and black people? And it was like, what what is it? The difference between... White people and black people is this. When there's a death in the white society, when white people die, they leave a will. When black people die, they leave a bill. I'm going to say that again. When a white person dies, they leave a will. When a black person dies, they leave a bill. Money is very important because one of the things I get upset about is that we don't care about our money. We just spend it any old kind of way. There should not be. I remember my grandfather said something about about money and wealth. He said he said someone prepared for your entrance. It's your job to prepare for your exit. So it does not matter whether you was born poor or born a certain way. But it is your fault if you die poor, because that was your fault that you didn't put your finances together. Thank you so much for listening to the Josh cast. Um, In the next episodes, I want to explore and answer more questions with you. I want all of you to contact me with thoughts and hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat My name is the same on that. And please, please subscribe to the Josh cast. Please leave a review. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please tell me. I would love for you to just, you know, tell your friends about it, tell others about it. And let's go from there. If you would like to email me, email me at J O S H U A S H E R R O N I N C at gmail.com. If you're enjoying this, please let me know. And in order to support this JoshCast, please donate to our cash app, dollar sign, J-O-S-H-S-H-E-R-R-O-N. And like I say before, on the JoshCast, you'll receive a gift that lasts.